Welcome, and thank you for joining Discipleship Conditioning. Here, we take the Bible, and we take our human anatomy, and we connect them. We present anatomy through a biblical lens. It's often not presented that way, and so it's what we strive to accomplish here, among other things. We like to start the show with prayer requests, and our email that you can reach us with those prayer requests is prayer at errorphysiology.com. We appreciate when you do that. What is the benefit to today's show titled Expert? Well, I believe by the end of this podcast, you will understand how to become known for God's calling on your life. I strongly believe that God has a calling on all of our lives, uh, and it's up to us to listen to that calling. And how much of the life we live on a daily basis is properly aligned with that calling. I know I struggle with it, and I assume that you do as well. So we're going to talk more about that from a couple different perspectives or avenues. As a reminder of our mission, our purpose, we bring together Christians who strive to follow the light of God over darkness of this world to renew our mindsets through shared experience and discipleship so we can enhance our performance, serve our households, and follow God's calling for our lives. The end of that being three-pronged is intentional. The performance aspect is on me. That aligns with my expertise and my purpose. The service aspect uh, falls on my wife. That is her area of expertise and her purpose. And then the third part, following God's calling for our lives, I believe is every member of our community. Uh, It's all of our responsibilities to make sure that we're supporting each other with scripture, wise counsel, and loving each other on a daily basis. If you're not sure what I'm referring to when I say community at Erret Physiology, which is our business, uh, through www.erretphysiology.com, we have two links, one to this podcast. Uh, If you want to listen to it through our website, uh, you can also listen to it through all the different platforms. So if you're listening to it through the website and you'd rather listen to it through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever, uh, we have links in the show notes for that and it can easily be found there. Uh, But we also have a link on our website to our community. This is a private group, a private community uh, of men at this point that are supporting each other. But we've opened the door for women. We'd like to invite women in. As I mentioned last week, my wife uh, is feeling called and led to disciple women in the same way that I'm working to disciple men. So right now in its current existence, we're opening the door to women and we'll see how that goes. If at some point in time we need to have a men's only space and a women's only space, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I want there to be safety in being able to say what it needs to be said. And I recognize that male issues uh, are not always the same as female issues. So that's likely something that I can envision us doing in the future uh, based on request and, and, uh, and whatnot. But Plenty of women out there want to support men, and boy, am I learning that. The more that I speak with people and I explain our purpose, I explain our mission, um, I get applause from women. There's a lot of women that are interested in supporting men, even more than I probably had preconceived notions for. And there's a lot of men, uh, as I know, being a man, that want to support women as well. So we're looking for a degree of inclusivity. I don't think that's a word. Uh, but we'll go with it. And um, speaking of errors, uh, it's funny. I, I've been telling you this entire time that I do not edit. And once I hit start, uh, that's true. I do not edit these. So if I stumble over a word or cough or whatever, uh, I don't edit. I just present them as is. 
but I did get three minutes into this episode and restart it and start it over again. And uh, for those of you watching the, uh, the video form of this on YouTube and Rumble, I wish I could detach and kind of show you the culprit and the reason why I started this over. Down below me right here is my beautiful St. Bernard Duke. And uh, he decided that he wanted me to restart the episode with some intrusion. Uh, intrusion. So uh, maybe at another time, I'll give you an image of him and make him a uh, pop culture icon or celebrity of sorts. But uh, anyways, I did restart today's by three minutes. But uh, apart from that, um, we don't edit. We don't edit. One, due to time constraints. Two, and more importantly, due to authenticity. We have a creed that we've developed, seven steps, if you will. They're not really steps, but uh, our creed, one, is obey in prayer. I think prayer life is, if not the most important thing, uh, very close to the top and what we're called as Christians to do. Two is commit to scripture. I think that more people are probably good with step one in the prayer than they are with scripture. Uh, it is a task for me personally to open my Bible every single day. And it is becoming easier, just like any other habit. But it is, it's easier to, to enter prayer for me, and I assume most people, than it is to open the Bible. Uh, I've, I've mediated that, I suppose is the right word, uh, by placing a Bible basically everywhere I go. I've mentioned this before, but each vehicle we have has a Bible in it. I have a Bible right here uh, next to me in my office. And that certainly makes committing to scripture easier. I also heard the other day, I believe it was Ray Comfort that said Bible before bread, or maybe it was Bible before breakfast is a reminder for him. First thing in the morning, he needs to open his Bible before he even eats. So that might be helpful for you. Three, seek wise counsel. I have a men's group on Wednesday morning that I look forward to every single week. And I'm always impressed by the wisdom that they share with me. And I trust it because I know they follow the first two steps, prayer and scripture. Beyond that, we have a calling on our lives. So we need to work the soil in our lives. We then need to plant the seeds in our lives. And we have to have faith that God will provide. And in honor of the seventh step, the seventh day of creation, rest. It's important for us to rest. And I've spoken to that a number of times on this podcast. Today's story that I'd like to open with is somewhat disjointed with the main theme of expertise that I'd like to talk about today. But it's one of those stories that it came from yesterday. And it's one of those stories that's fresh on my mind and I feel inspired to share with you. And uh, I, I think it'll move you. And so the people in this story will remain... Uh, anonymous. And I don't believe that they would have a problem with me sharing this, especially being in an anonymous fashion. Uh, but it's, it's inspiring and it make, it's made me think for the last 24 hours. So I was speaking to a husband and wife and specifically the wife in this relationship. Recently, the husband has been diagnosed with cancer. And in that diagnosis, Everybody processes those sorts of things differently. Uh, I have a dear friend that was diagnosed with stomach cancer, I think a little over a year ago. And uh, I, I, I can only imagine how difficult that processing has been for him. And the way that he handles it is certainly different than the way that the husband in the story handles it. 
And that's really where the story is centered is how he's handling it. So as the wife recounts, she tells the story of him being diagnosed with cancer, with which is within the last few weeks, <clears throat> if I'm correct. And right after leaving the facility, finding out the diagnosis, uh, he turns to her and he says, um, we're going to go to the Apple store and I'm going to get a new band for my Apple Watch. And she, of course, as pretty much all of us would be, is kind of thrown off by that. Really? You, you were just told that you have cancer and you want to go to the Apple store? And he's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And so she kind of recognizes it is a distraction at that point in time. And she, you know, willingly accommodates the request to, to be there for him in any way that she, she can be. So they go to the Apple store and he's trying on these bands with his watch to see which one that he likes. And he gets a call in the middle of it and he answers the call and the call is from the clinic and they're going over some more details and scheduling a follow up and those sorts of things. And, um, in the middle of it, from my understanding, he gets frustrated and he says, well, listen, I have cancer. Okay. And gets kind of abrupt with the person on the other end of the phone. And the conversation concludes soon thereafter. Meanwhile, the young man that was helping them with this potential purchase uh, is kind of patiently waiting for, you know, the conversation to end. And as soon as it does, he turns to him and he says, uh, how did that feel? And what the young man meant was, how did the band feel on your wrist? Quite literally pertaining to the potential sale. But the husband perceived it as how did it feel to say out loud, I have cancer. And so he takes off the band, hands it to his wife, and this cascade of emotion is sort of welling up in him. And he just turns to her and says something along the lines of, uh, make the purchase, I've got to go. And as he hands the watch to her and begins to walk out, tears just start streaming down his face. And she was really shocked by that. She'd never seen that level of emotion from him. And as she describes, I think is maybe not symptomatic. That's not the right word, but uh, maybe stereotypical of a lot of men that we all know, a lot of men in this country. And that's, it's, it's uh, deemed as tough it's deemed as almost responsible to bottle things in and not let things out. And there's no doubt in my mind that God was at work there in saying that. Even though the gentleman asking how did that feel was asking about the watch, what a happy coincidence of words. You know, obviously in that next series of moments, the husband wasn't very happy. He was very emotional, but it was likely something that he needed to hear. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as we move on on how men and women process things a little bit differently. It is a little bit outside the concept or confines of our topic today, but it's just a powerful story, a really powerful story. And as I'm continuing to speak with her yesterday and we're kind of concluding our conversation after she shares this beautiful story, much in the same way that people immediately jump on the military bandwagon of post-traumatic stress, and I've recently been proved that that's not necessarily accurate from a veteran's perspective, 
I think when we're comparing emotions of men and women, it's easy to fall into the trap on men are not as good with emotions as women are. And that was mentioned in the conversation. And I think some degree of that is true. But I think what is at play here is more the societal lie that I continually speak to that it's not appropriate for one gender to handle their emotions or talk about their feelings and it is for the other. In fact, at the end of this podcast is the last section of scripture that we talk about. I'm going to try and interject some comedy into the situation and comparing the two genders on things that men say or actually things that women say to men that are misperceived or incorrectly perceived. So I hope that that story moves you. And I hope that that continually, if you're a woman, helps you understand that men process things differently and support often looks different. And if you're a man, that women process things differently and there's support for that as well. We have to consider our partner in this life. We have to consider our husband or wife and and how they process things and how we can best help them because there's there's things that you would say to your best friend that you wouldn't say to your spouse, right? So let's get on to the part of the podcast that matters, and that is always the Bible. It is the most important thing we can talk about. And today I'm going to go into a book called Song of Solomon. It's going to be the third chapter, verses 6 through 8. And it reads, What is that coming up from the wilderness like columns of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all the fragrant powers, powders, excuse me, powders of a merchant? Behold, it is the litter of Solomon. Around it are 60 men, some of the mighty men of Israel, all of them wearing swords and expert in war, each with his sword at his thigh against terror by night. Now, as you may judge by the title of this episode, I picked this out because of the word expert. It's really been pressed upon me over the last couple months specifically that I've been blessed with a lot of talents and a lot of gifts. And I've spent a lot of time being a jack of all trades. And I'm beyond appreciative of those gifts and that ability to at least be proficient in a number of things. And there's value to that. I'm not going to deny that. But it has been pressed upon me in this stage of my life over the last few months that what am I truly an expert in? How can I profoundly help people? I've been working with this company called Mighty Networks. That's who our community is through. If you download, um, if you join our community, you would download the Mighty Networks app, and that's how you would get to our community from a mobile interface um, if you're not accessing it from just a browser. And there is a community associated uh, through that app because all communities that aren't branded in their own self-app, which is possible and something I hope for error at physiology in the future, but all of them that are not at that level that are self-branded are through that Mighty Networks app. And so you can join one community and switch to the next community or network, uh, so on and so forth. So there's a community on there that I'm a part of that's a runner's community. And 
I, I'm not a runner. Um, I think anything over 10 feet is long distance. I don't even remember the last time I ran more than 10 feet. Um, all jokes aside, the group was started based on people that had experience in marathons and they were sort of last place. Last place to the extent that the, the, the time in which they would finish the race was beyond sort of the stock of refreshments and the happy warming associated with the finish. That a lot of these marathons and different types of races were geared to a certain set time and sort of gearing towards the top line finishers as opposed to the end line. So there's an individual who experienced this over and over and realized it was a problem. And he formed an entire community, which has over 10,000 members in it, um, associated with basically being slow and being okay with being slow and working to get better. And it makes total sense. If you're trying to become more fit and you go and speak with someone that is a world-class bodybuilder, that's a huge step and that's intimidating. It might be better or it may feel more comfortable for you to speak to someone that's two or three steps ahead of you. That's kind of what we do with discipleship, right? None of us in the community are experts on really anything pertaining to the Bible and discipleship, but we've experienced different things and we're on this journey together and I may be two or three steps ahead of you in an area that I can help you with and you may be two or three steps ahead of me in another area that you can help me with. Point of sharing that community of runners is as entrepreneurs, sometimes we think if we niche down too much, we're going to lose a potential audience. Uh, But the phenomenon associated with it is actually quite the opposite. The more you niche down, the more you speak to a specific individual. And you can go back and listen to podcasts and you can see my live struggle with that episode by episode. And I'm by no means cured. I'm, I'm still very much working on it. But as I'm going to speak to as far as who am I and who, where is my expertise, um, I hope to speak to a very segmented niche so I can help those people. And hopefully that motivates people around that niche uh, to help those individuals as well. And inside our community, it's not just me, right? We have other members with other expertise and other niches themselves that are helping each other. So we get this sort of hodgepodge of people that have all this value to share with each other. And I think that's a real benefit to community. It's not just a website where you go and you take a course from me and you're dependent upon my area of expertise. There are going to be courses in the future, but by and large, it's a community where you share your experiences, you share love with each other. And to me, that's what's so powerful about community and why I selected Mighty Networks um, for the platform that I would work through. It appears that uh, my beloved Duke is in the midst of a dream. So we are now 19 minutes in. I'm not going to restart it at this point. So uh, you may hear some of that going on. But... uh, God bless them. The first part of this that I'd like to talk about is the mighty men of Israel. And when I think of the mighty men of Israel, I think of a band of brothers. Okay, And this reminds me of, of a tribe or a community. And I want to ask you, who is your tribe? 
from the people that I speak with on a fairly regular basis, what I'm finding more and more is not that the lie society is telling us is uncombatible. It's the fact that when we're isolated, that lie becomes more effective. Pretty simply stated. So why I ask who your tribe is, is sort of in a defense against that. Because the people that I'm speaking with, firefighters and other men out there, who seem to be handling life just generally well, have a tribe. They have a unique group of specifically men that are there to support them in a way that perhaps their spouse cannot. Now, in no way am I saying spouse is more important than uh, our tribe, but I would boldly say that. And I'm definitely not saying that our tribe is more important than our spouse. But I think we all would agree that there are unique things that our spouses can help us with. And there are unique things that our brothers can help us with. Or if you're a woman, that your sisters can help you with. I know that to be true in my life. And the firefighters that I've spoken with know that to be true in their life. And in a group of people that I had a preconceived notion would be very vulnerable to the societal lie, weren't that at all. They were, they're very robust against that lie. It's much easier for them to turn the news off and ignore what's going on in our society, not because they think that'd be wise to do or the prudent thing to do, but they recognize it is not healthy. And they receive their support through their tribe. And so if this, this goes to men and women, <clears throat> who is your tribe? I believe that men need a band of brothers that are close to them and that they spend regular time with and that they do life with. But I believe the same thing for women. Now, I can't speak to that because I'm not a woman, but I do believe that it is important for them as well. So if we think about that experience I recently had with the firehouse and firefighters, what do they have that we don't? It's pretty simple. Tribe. Many of us do not have tribe. Now, I'm one of the lucky ones. I have a Wednesday morning group and that combats many of the other things that go on in my life. I have two daughters and a wife, so I come home to women. Well, apart from Duke here, but mainly a house full of women. I work with, I would say, at least 90% women. So there, if I didn't have that morning tribe, if I didn't have that group of guys, I could definitely see myself struggling and be more susceptible to the lies that society is disposing upon men. So again, who is your tribe, whether you're male or female? Who is your tribe? If you don't know your tribe, I challenge you for some homework to identify who your tribe could be. Who can support you in this life? The main part that I want to speak to in this set of verses is expert in war. And again, this is how I found the verse was looking the term expert up because I want to talk about expertise. I want to talk about some of the things that I've done and being a jack of all trades in the last few months and sort of working inside of me to become more of an expert and not necessarily better at one thing in particular. I think that'll happen naturally, but focused, not, not out here, but focused 
directly on that one thing and how I can best serve people in that one thing. So I ask myself, what am I an expert in? Maybe another way of thinking of it is, what am I known for? And that's where I think it gets really messy because uh, those of you that know me personally know in the summer, I spend a decent amount of time in the forest cutting firewood mainly. So am I, am I the firewood guy? Many people that know me also know that I have a bachelor's and master's in exercise science. So am I the strength and conditioning coach? In fact, if we go back and look at uh, some of the professions that I mentioned that I've had in my life, I was a telecommunications technician, and I still remember quite a bit about that profession. So am I the guy you want to call if you're having a TV issue or an internet issue? I was basically a career student for about five years as I knocked out my bachelor's and master's. So am I just a general academic that can help you with your paper? Mixed in with that, I was a personal trainer. So am I someone that you can call to help you drop some weight? Then more specifically, I became a strength and conditioning coach. Instead of working with the general population, I worked more with athletes. So am I someone that can help you get better at the sport of basketball? And most recently, over the last six years, I have hired as a professor of anatomy and physiology. So am I somebody that could help you with your final pertaining to basic anatomy and physiology? Well, if you're watching this, my hand is held up and there are five things that we've covered there. So what is it? Who am I and what do I do and what should I be known for? What would I like to be known for? Well, first off, I'd like to be known for whatever God wants me to be known for. I want to always have my ear open and listening to what he wants in my life. Because without him, I'm not here in the first place. So I'm not ignorant enough to just do what I want all the time. I recognize there is a choice. Uh, There's a famous quote out there, without the ability to say no, yes has no meaning. And I choose Jesus. I choose him. I say yes and submit to him. So I recognize fully that my expertise and my calling can change slightly, perhaps more than slightly over time. And so above and beyond everything else, I'm opening my ear as best I can to what I'm being called to do. But at this point in time, what is clear to me? And I'm going to, I'm going to say a few things and then I'm going to mention uh, kind of a hodgepodge of what I think I am an expert in. In fact, what I think I'm the best in the world at, and I would challenge you to do that also. What are you uniquely designed and prepared for with experiences, training, education, your life's journey up until this point to be the best in the world at? I believe we all have something. So I'm going to ask a few questions. Based on what I've just said, those five things, is this just a mess of opposing things? How well does being a telecommunications technician mix with being a personal trainer? Not really at all, other than that you communicate with people that are not you. Is this list occupying time and spreading wealth thin? Yeah, I I think so. I think it quickly takes a person from 40 hours a week to 80 hours a week with really no financial gain and really no gain in wealth. Uh, You're spread over time, not really being the best at any one thing. 
Or if you are the best at one thing, you're now spending less time in that area because other things that you're saying yes to are now occupying your time. Speaking of that, am I saying yes to obligations that require a no? In May, my focus for the month was mindset, trying to get my mindset repaired from previous experiences and all the years of just life. This month, the theme in June uh, has been contentment, being happy with what I have. And part of that process has been learning to say no. In fact, I am bummed to announce this, but I know it's in my best interest. I know it's in my family's best interest, but I previously announced that I'd been accepted to Liberty University to begin some doctoral studies in biblical exposition. Uh, I'm dropping out. I'm, I was signed up for the fall and I'm going to drop out of that. I'm not going to do it because working full time, potentially starting another job, already having a few other side jobs, having two businesses, being a husband, being a father, and then also working on doctoral work, it doesn't work for anybody. You can do it all. I, I could go through it, but I'm going to be less healthy coming out of it than I would have been going into it. So I'm really working in this contentment phase of my life to say no to what is not required for me to follow God's calling. And so, yeah, it's a bummer to announce it, but I'm I'm essentially dropping out of college. I do think that there will be a stage later on where I will be able to obtain that PhD, perhaps when the business is running itself more smoothly and it opens some of my time. But it's certainly not the priority right now. Priority is that I am the best husband and father that I can be and that I am doing and serving well in the area that I'm about to share with you. Again, is God's calling you and blessing you with an expertise? He is me, and I guarantee he is you as well. You may not know what that is, and you may need help identifying that, but I guarantee he is. So for me, who am I? Well, I'm a child of God, a son of God. I am a follower of Jesus. All of those things that we all should have as a part of our answer are important. But when I think about expertise and I think about the blessing that I've been given in this life based on my unique experiences that I've laid out previously, I am a teacher of homeostatic performance manipulation. You won't find that on a job title anywhere. In fact, if I go searching any job site, I'm out of luck because I'm not going to find that. But it's what I am. Am I the best strength and conditioning coach in the world? No. Am I the best Christian man? No. Am I the best discipler of men? No. Am I the best teacher? No. That one would be my closest argument to yes, but no. But I can take everything that I've done, more specifically related to my education as of late in my profession as of late and recognize that I understand homeostasis of the body as good as anybody. I also understand performance as good as anybody. 
And I uniquely understand how to manipulate variables to yield an intended result. That can be as simple as increasing your bench press. It could be as complex as increasing your testosterone levels. To me, that makes sense. And it makes sense in a way that one of my dear friends that I've referenced on this show, who's also in the community, who is a, uh, a diesel mechanic, in the same way that he understands diesel mechanics inside and out better than anybody I've ever met. And I would go boldly on to say that he is the best in the world at it. I believe I'm the best in the world at this. Now, again, uh, you're going to find jobs on diesel mechanic. You're not going to find jobs called homeostatic performance manipulation teacher. But it's the unique gift that I've been given and that I understand quite well. And if you're in our community or you're a listener to the podcast that reaches out to our email, hello at erratphysiology.com, it's what I feel called to serve you in what I feel called to serve our community members in and helping them increase their performance. It's a part of our mission statement. It's a part of our purpose. It's not all of it because it's not just about me. It's about the community. But how can I help? That's how I can help. I can help you manipulate variables that disturb your homeostasis that yield an intended result Generally, the focus is increased performance. Kind of a fancy way of stating it, but that's where I believe I'm gifted in. And if I can spend the rest of my life being called to do that, I'm I'm excited about that. The last part that I'd like to focus on is terror by night. And this is where the comedy of the episode comes in. Perhaps not. I I think that I'm funnier than probably anybody else does. But as I think about terror by night, I think about it from a masculine perspective. And I try to think about it from a feminine perspective, as impossible as that is for me, given who I am. But I would venture to guess that most women listening would read this and read terror by night and would not think of that as a compliment. But myself and probably many men listening would. So it got me thinking about masculinity triggers. What are some things that women can say to men that are generally perceived as negative in the eyes of the woman, but positive in the eyes of men? And the first one that comes to mind is intimidating. If I was told by my wife that I was intimidating and she meant it negatively, I would probably walk away from the conversation happy and be clueless that she meant it as a way uh, of constructed criticism or feedback or whatever the case was. I'd, I'd be none the wiser that she meant it in a negative fashion. Why is that? Well, men don't want to be bleak. Men generally don't want to be slight. Men want to be imposing, intimidating, and Most healthy men don't fall into that trap to an extreme, but you will see men out there that do, that put on this persona of intimidation as a way of sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. In fact, this was one of the topics I talked with the firemen about. And uh, as men, we, we see right through that. In fact, we all agreed that if we see a man that is kind of posing in that way, 
what we see is not intimidation. What we see is weakness and we see pain in someone who's hurt and actually crying out for help in a lot of ways. Now let's look at the other side of the coin. Masculinity triggers that a woman would perceive as positive, but a man would perceive as negative. And for me, this pretty obvious why this comes up first, because it is me, but sensitive. If my wife was to come to me and say, you are so sensitive, there is no way I would take that as a compliment. I would be so mad. I would be so mad. And I, I now recognize, and, and I'm saying that I'd be so mad even with what I'm about to say. I now recognize that it's a good thing, that I'm a sensitive person and that's a good thing. It's a unique trait that God has given me. It's traditionally or at least societally imposed as a feminine quality, which we're not gonna, I'm not going to get into whether that's right or wrong, but because I've believed that lie for a lot of years, I've interpreted it as a, a feminine quality and I'm not a woman. And so I've taken that as disrespect. I've taken that as an insult before. So from a joking perspective, um, I guess refer to your husband as intimidating and probably not a good idea to call him sensitive, even if you mean it in a good way. If you're a man, I would love to hear some other terms that maybe your wife has said to you that she clearly meant one way, but you perceived it a different way. And even more so, if you're a woman, I would love to hear um, your perspective on things, maybe some things that men say that we shouldn't. Because uh, speaking on behalf of men, we're clueless. So you can help us out there. Um, joining the community and sharing those experiences would be the best thing that you could do that would be the most helpful thing you can do. Um, by the way, prices on that are going to go up 4th of July. So if you have been considering jumping in the community, I'm not going to disclose the direct prices uh, here on this podcast because you may be listening to it in three years from now, but prices are going to go up on July 4th, 2023. So it would be wise to jump in now. And uh, those prices will never come back down. They're only going to go up. So uh, I will always honor a previous plan. If you got in when it was cheaper, I will continue to honor that plan and then create a new plan for new members going forward. That's what I feel is fair. If you're willing to jump in early as a founding member, you should get that perk. And I believe that. Uh, if not, email hello at erratphysiology.com is another way you can get a hold of me. I'm definitely less responsive there, but I will respond to you. And uh, if nothing else, you can find us on whatever platform you listen to podcasts in a rating and a review would be incredibly helpful. I've mentioned that before. We're also on YouTube and Rumble and the same applies there. We'd appreciate your subscription, your follow, your like, your share, your review, all of that stuff. We appreciate those of you that have done it. And uh, we appreciate those of you that will do it in the future. I'll be brief on our sponsor. We are self-sponsored, but I've mentioned a number of the things already. And I mentioned them every episode. So our website is erratphysiology.com. From there, you'll log on there. 
well, you won't log on, but you'll go to that website and there'll be two green buttons. One is for community and one is for podcast. That'll take you to either community.erroratphysiology.com or it'll take you to podcast.erroratphysiology.com. Again, I've mentioned the emails. There is one other website we have. It's products.erroratphysiology.com. And that is where I sell strength and conditioning programs if that's something that you're interested in. I do have a custom option available if you'd like to meet with me. I do have a booking appointment open that you can click on the links provided in that. And you can schedule something for me so that I can work on building you a custom program if that's something that you're interested in. Otherwise, the others are pre-built. And yes, they are more specific to teams, although there is a bodybuilding section. There is a... uh, interval training or high intensity training section and there is a powerlifting section uh, but the others are things like lacrosse uh, baseball football they're mainly sport related so what's the take-home message as we conclude this it's to define your tribe hopefully define and find your tribe listen to identify your calling i think you know what you're good at But how does that pair with what God calls you to do in your life? They're probably pretty closely related. He wouldn't have provided you the experience to get good in an area if it wasn't going to be a part of your calling in life. So keep that in mind. Uh, That would be my wise counsel to you. But make sure you're listening to what that calling is. And be able to say no. If you're like me, you say yes to everything. And it's difficult to say no, but you can't be present for everything. To learn to say no, and I'm going to take that advice for myself as well and continue that process. As we always do, let's conclude with the Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.